And go ahead and have a seat. As you're, uh, as you're having a seat, if you want to get your Bibles out, we're going to be uh, in Colossians chapter 2 today, uh, verses 6 through 23. And, and as you're doing that, we're, this is a continuation of our study uh, in the book of Colossians that we've titled Rooted in Christ. As we're moving through this letter in Colossians uh, that Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, we've been seeing this... this uh, repeating context of why Paul is writing this letter. Um, he's writing this letter because false teachers have worked their way into this church in Colossae, and they're pushing back and, and leading people away from the true gospel of Jesus. And they're using this false teachings uh, to discredit Jesus as God, the deity of Jesus. And so today we're going to hit, we're uh, going to see us, we're going to hit a hinge verse in this this letter to the church in Colossians. Um, we're going to start out in verse 6 and 7 uh, this evening. And you're going to see this hinge verse of the entire letter of the book of Colossians. And it's this, in verse 6 through 7, Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. So that's the, that's the hinge verse for this entire study and for Paul's entire letter. He's trying to get the, the church to see the absolute necessity for being rooted in Jesus and being rooted in His gospel, the true gospel, the truth of Jesus. And he's going to lead both today, the church in Colossae, as we read, and us today as a church, he's going to read us all to be rooted in Jesus Christ. Because there's so much false teaching happening during the time that Paul's writing this letter, and there's also a lot of false teaching happening in our context today. Amen? It is vital for us to be rooted in the truth of Jesus, to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus, so that we can't be pushed or, or unrooted or tipped over by the, the influences of the world or by the false teaching that both us and the church in Colossae are going to experience throughout their time. And so tonight, we're going we're gonna to see uh, this influence that these false teachers are going to teach on our own self-capabilities, our, our own religiousness, or our own Christianness, right? I, I made up that word. We're going to see a push from these false teachers uh, at the Colossian church telling people that in order to be seen as righteous, they must check all the spiritual or religious boxes. Right? They must look the part. They have to, they got to put on this veneer of religiousness or this veneer of spiritual. And so Paul's going to turn up the heat on that teaching, on that false teaching. Paul's going to show us today one centralized idea, and it's this from this text today we're going to get is this. He's going to show us that in all things, Jesus alone is enough. And that's what we're going to, we're going to take out of this text today. Paul's going to show us that it's only Jesus that we truly need to be seen as righteous to God. Jesus alone is enough. Now, as we say that, why? Like, why is, why is Jesus alone enough? Like, why do we need to be rooted in Christ? Why be rooted in Christ? Paul's going to show us three reasons tonight why Jesus alone is enough. And he's going to start in verse 8. And the first reason is this. Jesus alone is, is, it, Jesus alone is enough because he makes us alive. Read with me. Get our eyes in the text. Verse 8 through 15, Paul says this. See to it that no one 
takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. Who is the head of all rule and authority? In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried in baptism with him, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. Now, I know that's a... That's a large section of text, right? It's a lot to bite off. So we're going we're gonna to walk through this slowly together, verse by verse here. So Paul says in verse 9, Jesus is God, right? He is God in the flesh. Read again with me in verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is God. And as God, we know as the deity of the world, the God of the world, he has the ability to do anything, right? He's all-powerful. We, we, a couple weeks ago, we were, we were back in chapter 1 where we talked about the supremacy of Christ, right? How Christ is supreme over all. How everything was created through Him and by Him and for Him. He has the power to do all things. He even has the power to save. Now, now what, what do we need saved from? Now, what, what could we possibly need saved from? What the Bible tells us is this. We need saved from death. Right? We need saved from eternal death. Like all of us were born spiritually dead. If we look in, in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and if you don't have it in front of you, it'll be on the screen behind me here. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, Paul says this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. So what's, what's the Bible telling us? That we're, we're dead to our sin. Who in here understands what sin is? Nobody? Okay, we got a few. All right, I hope so. Give me a heart attack up here. All right. So, <laughs> uh, we, have, we have missed the mark if, if we don't understand what sin is. Okay. Uh, so, if you don't know what sin is, a simple definition is this. It's just rebellion against God. Right? Anything we do to rebel against God, when we, we rebel against His commands, or uh, we put our trust or our worship in, in an idol or something else other than God, we are sinning against God. Quick exercise to make this hit home. Who in here has ever told a lie? Even a little one. Show of hands. All right. Okay. Well, that's all of us. <laughs> We've all broken one of the Ten Commandments. We've all sinned. 
Who in here has ever uh, been angry at someone? Show of hands. Okay, again, we're two for two, all right, on the Big Ten. We've all, again, sinned. We've, we've been angry with someone. Jesus tells us we've, if we've been angry with someone, we've committed murder in our heart. We've committed the big one in that, right? We broke another commandment. And we could do this all day, right? We could, we could check these boxes all day. So let's call it how, what it is. We are all sinners. Right? Everyone in here has committed sin. We have all, as Paul tells us in Romans, have fallen short of the glory of God. He tells us in Romans 6 that the wages of sin is death. So, according to God's word, we're all sinners. And the payment for our sin, the wage of our sin, is death. Particularly, death by God's wrath. Right? That's what the Bible tells us that we all deserve. We all deserve death. And I think all of us in here, as we've shared our testimony or shared our stories, we've all been dead. Right? I was once dead. I was walking around like a dead man. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, death is a reality. All right, let that sit for a second. If, without Jesus, death is a reality. But Paul tells us that through Jesus, we were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. He tells us that, that through faith in the powerful working of God, we were raised. Right? We were made alive. We were dead once and now through Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, we were made alive. He goes on in verse 13 to say, who were you, also you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Right? Jesus has made us all alive. Remember what Paul's combating here. As, we, as we've been reading through Colossians, we can see over and over again what Paul's combating, the false teaching. Right? And, and the teaching he's speaking to here is a Jewish teaching. Right? So, so we know that some, some Judaizers or, or Jews, have some Pharisees, have worked their way into this church and they're trying to convince people that Jesus is not God. And they're teaching that in order to be seen as righteous in God's eyes, you must be circumcised, this word circumcised. If you don't know what circumcised is in this room, you don't know what circumcised is in this room. If you're young enough, go home, ask your parents. We're not getting into it right now. But <laughs> most of us know what the word circumcised is, right? The act of circumcision in the Old Testament law was an outward view, an outward act that showed the inward conviction, right? That's what it was designed to do. Is when you were circumcised in the Old Testament, it was to show that you were a follower of God, that you belonged to God, that you were seen as righteous to God. But Paul's telling us now that, and throughout his epistles, he's saying that being physically circumcised does not make you righteous in God's eyes. Just the act of physical circumcision does not justify you in God's eyes. In fact, it's your faith in Jesus alone that does this. It is Jesus alone that justifies you. Jesus, as the text says to us here, circumcised your heart, right? The, the act of circumcision is re removing flesh, right? It's to be cut off of the flesh. And the word tells us he's removed the sin of the flesh and has filled you with himself, with the Holy Spirit. And in order to, for that to happen, right, we must have faith 
in the gospel, right? That Jesus died on a cross for our sins. He took the penalty of our sins that, that we deserved. That he died on the cross, that he was buried in a tomb, and that three days later he rose to defeat sin and death so that we could live eternally with him and through him. And it's only through faith in that gospel, the only true gospel, that brings us from death to life, that makes us alive. And Paul says in this text, he lives in us. Right? The full deity of Christ lives in us. And once you place your faith in Him, He fills you up with, the, with His Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, to live eternally with and through Him. And in verse 15, again, read with me. Get, if you get our eyes on verse 15, He says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. I mean, that right there is a mic drop moment for Paul. He's like, Jesus triumphed over all of your rulers, Pharisee. All of your rulers, pagan worshipers, pagan gods. I mean, he's speaking here to something much larger. What he's saying here is this. There is no power that triumphs over the cross. Right? There's no philosophy, no belief, no other god. No ruler, not Caesar himself, triumphs over the power of the cross. He's telling us here today that Jesus is enough because He makes you alive. Because of what He did on the cross, the fact that you can be resurrected, that once you were dead, you can be resurrected in a new life with Him, He makes you alive and nothing is more powerful than that. There's no gospel out in the world that's more powerful than that. That's what Paul is pulling for us to get in this first section of text. But that's not, that's not all Paul wants us to see. There's another reason why Jesus alone is enough. Our second point this evening is this. Jesus alone is enough because all things belong to him. Look with me here, verse 16 to 19. Paul says this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism or worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Again, remember what Paul's doing here. Right, he is attacking now. Right, he, he's pushing forward, attacking these foundations of the false teachings, that you need more than Jesus to be righteous. Right, what Paul's attacking here is what's called legalism. And this is something that's well and alive today, especially in our churches. Like it's, it's, it's prominent in our churches. Uh, legalism uh, argues that, that the complete spirituality is based on Christ plus human works. So to simplify that, that what's being preached in this, in this false teaching that's being preached at the church in Colossae is a Jesus plus gospel. Right? You need Jesus. Okay, you can have Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised. You need Jesus, but you also, in the Jewish sense, 
have to eat a certain way. You also have to honor the Sabbath. You also have to, and just inserting things that require, for, for righteousness to be had, for salvation, you need Jesus plus. And Paul is attacking that. This whole section of text is about the fact that you need Jesus, period. Nothing else. So he's, he's arguing that the, this, this belief of legalism, it originated in the Old Testament text. Uh, you can find it all over the Old Testament of the following of the law, the original 613 commandments of the Mosaic law. In Jewish culture, this was a, this was a big deal. right? Following the law, it's what they lived for. Literally, they lived their life by the law. Uh, they felt that their salvation, whether or not they would make it into heaven, they're going to be welcomed into heaven. That depended on how well they followed the law. And they tried to follow the law to the T. It was how well they followed ceremonies and festivals and, and food laws and sacrificing and, and honoring the, the Sabbath. The food laws were huge in this culture, and Paul brings it up right here. What you eat, what you don't eat, when you eat it. People believe that they stuck to this law they will be seen as righteous in God's eyes. And Paul's saying that's not right. He's telling the people at Colossae who are being influenced here by these false teachers that all their food laws, all their festivals, all their new moons, they're all just pointing to Jesus. He's telling that all these things were just a shadow of what was to come. That, that all it really did was show your absolute need for a Savior. Right, the, the law being put in place just showed the inability to live a righteous life, that they needed Jesus to be saved, that they could not obtain righteousness on their own, that they needed Christ. He's telling them that, that these were things that are shadows to come, just showing you the need for Christ. And now, as he, as he comes out of this, he says, all of that righteousness that you've been striving for, all that righteousness you've been trying to obtain, it now solely belongs to Jesus. Like, it can be found in Him. Like, you don't have to, to, to guard yourself from, from pork. You don't have to guard yourself from, from working on the Sabbath. Like, he's saying, every ounce of righteousness that you've been striving for, you've been working your life for, trying to stay stringent to these 613 commandments, it can now all be found in one place, and that's Jesus Christ. He's telling him, you don't need these laws anymore because Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. When you look back through the biblical text, you can find that Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament law. Every one of them, he fulfilled them to the max. And that's why he's here. He's here to show you that you are free from the chains of legalism. All you have to do now, as Paul says in this text, hold fast to the head. Right? Hold fast to Jesus. So that's going to change the way we live, right? It's going to, it cer certainly changed the way that these Jews or these, these converts, these Gentiles, were living in, in the Bible. Right? It's going to affect them. For them, all they knew, 613 commandments of the law every day. Boom, boom, boom. Wake up, do the same thing every day. Got a wash, got a ceremony, got a ritual. And now they have to, they have to live a new life. So, so how do we live? Right, what's, what's the call of how to live? We're going to dive deep into this starting next week. Chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul goes into what it looks like to live a Christ-like life. 
but I'm not going to make you wait. I'll give you a, a, a preface to this now. Jesus himself gives us the first step into how to live for him in Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 31-33, Jesus shows us how to live a life dedicated to him. He says this, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Right here, church. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus tells us this. In all aspects of life, seek Him first. Seek Jesus first. All righteousness belongs to Him. We must now rely on Him alone. Because He's enough. Right? That's the whole point of this text that Paul... He's enough. Like we don't need anything else but Him. He can sustain us. He makes us justified. Right? He gives us salvation. He makes us right with God. Like there's nothing more we can do, as we, as we talked about in verse 15. There's nothing more that we can do that's more powerful than the cross. Like Jesus is enough. If we seek Him, if we seek His righteousness, He will lead us to a life fulfilled and abiding in Him because He's enough. Our, our final reason tonight that Paul tells us Jesus is sufficient is this. Paul says, Paul's going to show us the third reason Jesus alone is enough is because He makes us brand new. Read with me verse 20 through 23. Eyes back on the text here. Paul says in verse 20, If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom, in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul here is now shifting his focus. Right? We talked about legalism. Now he's shifting his focus to a particular area of, of legalism called asceticism. And asceticism is the practice of self-denial to gain righteousness. Right? Saying, if I just don't touch this, then I'll be seen as righteous. If I just don't eat this, if I just don't drink this, I'll be seen as righteous. And Paul, again, is, is addressing this, this Jewish Old Testament law again, specifically to make the commands about what is clean and what is unclean to touch or eat or drink. Do not handle, do not taste. Do not touch. So Paul's asking the church, why Colossians, knowing that, that all the righteousness that you have is in Christ, do you continue to practice self-denial? Like, what, Why do you think that by denying yourself these foods or denying yourself these, these certain animals, why is it that you think that your salvation will come if you just... You just resist these things that God's provided to you. He goes on to state that doing this is an attempt of self-glorification. 
He says that, that these things aren't for glorifying God, they're for glorifying ourselves. They make us um, appear more religious. They make us appear, appear more spiritual. They make us appear more righteous on the outside. When you're participating in this asceticism, this, this, this push of self-denial to gain righteousness in God's eyes, you are elevating yourself and not Christ. Right? If the work is dependent upon you, you're elevating yourself. And Paul's pushing back heavy on that. Again, that is the basis of a Jesus plus gospel. And Paul is showing us that we need Jesus, period. And if we follow Jesus and we abide in Him, we will be righteousness in God, in God's eyes. When you practice self-denial to gain righteousness, you're only elevating yourself. As we discussed earlier, everyone in this room is a sinner. I don't need elevated, let me tell you. If you're following me, you're going to be let down. Okay? Jesus is the one that needs to be followed. Jesus is who we lift up and we praise because He is worthy and we are not. We are not capable of righteousness even if we follow the laws to the best of our ability. Paul tells us that uh, even that keeping these worldly commands can't even keep you from indulging your flesh. Look with me in verse 23 again. He says, These have indeed an appearance of wisdom promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgences of the flesh. But instead, Paul tells us here that we are made new in Jesus. We're a new creation. You become brand new creation when you, when you place your faith in Christ. Paul tells us all over his epistles, you become a brand new creation. You died to the world. You were made new in Christ. Trust in who made you new. Don't be intimidated by these false teachings. Don't let them waver you. Instead, be rooted in Jesus. And that's what we, we see out of the text today. That Jesus alone is enough. That we need to be rooted in Him because of all the things that He does, all the descriptions of who He is that we've went through the last few chapters. It just shows us that He's God. We need to put our faith in the all-powerful God, the same God who died to save us. We need to be rooted in Him. And there are all kinds of false teachings in the world. And I'm not just talking about Darwinism or philosophy or atheism. There's all kinds of, of false teachings in the world. But most of the false teachings and false beliefs that we see are happening in the church. Like It's easy to see the outside, but when we look in, we see there's a lot of false teachings in the church all over the world today. By a lot of false belief. If I just attend church, that's all I need. Like I'll be good. In God's eyes, if I just go to church, I'm good. If I donate to the church, then I'll be seen righteous in God's eyes. If I give a lot of money. If I just take communion, I'm good for another week. God sees me as his righteous. All of this thinking that we hear puts all the faith on us. All the faith in ourselves. And Paul is urging us today, don't do that. Put your faith in Jesus. Jesus is all we need. A relationship with Jesus is all we should strive for day in and day out. Paul says in verse 6, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. We don't need to dabble in all sorts of rules or rituals. We're not haltered with the weight of the law. 
Instead, we are free in Jesus Christ. Bring, being free in Christ, we must be rooted in Him because he, it's He who made us free. Paul is telling the church in Colossae and us today, if you're seeking righteousness, you can find it in Jesus alone. Jesus alone is enough. And this week, as we set our hearts to that, like write that in your heart this week. Like if you're being influenced or pulled away from the gospel at any time this week, be rooted in the gospel of Jesus. No matter what tries to influence you or pull you away from the truth, know this, if you place your faith in Jesus, He is all you will ever need because He alone is enough. Let's pray.